So do you want to talk about there, Mike? You're, <laughs> You're on it. All right. It is Shelly and Adam live marketing Monday. Shelly from the Pallet Prison, me from the Pink Wood House, and we Dad have from the Posh Hotel. I'm no this. So I'm in prison also. You are. What's up, everybody? Here's my hotel room. So I'm in a town called Munster, Indiana. Munster. Uh, Do you eat lots of cheese in Munster, Indiana? No, it's like suburbia hell. I swear <laughs> to God. So hopefully there's but, nobody from Munster watching right now. All the Germans is, are extremely upset. There is not. So <laughs> trying to make a long story into a very short story, my wife is getting uh, like educated in a thing called NLP, neuro linguistic programming. She has to be here for like eight days. Uh, and I was going to come through the weekend, like Thursday. And uh, I fly out, actually. I'm going to go to O'Hare Airport right after this. But it was supposed to be in Chicago. But like a month ago, Chicago or Illinois uh, was adding more states to their kind of you must quarantine if you come to our state list. And the organizers of this training are like, we're going to Indiana. So, so she had, my wife, Chelsea, canceled uh, the Chicago booking, and now I'm 45 minutes south of Chicago in Munster, Indiana, where it's literally just like outlet shopping centers and Red Robins and Starbucks, and that's it. And that sounds so, like that sounds like basic, that's where I'm at. Just go pick yourself up a pumpkin spice latte, and you <laughs> will be set. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. The extrovert in me is just like all bound up just since Thursday. So look, look out whoever gets to sit next to you on the airplane. Yeah, I'll be talking to them like crazy. Like, tell me about you. What's going on? Tell me something. Tell me a well, story. Perfect. We'll we'll yeah. let you, we'll let you be a little bit of a relief valve right right now then. Thanks, man. Yeah. So for those of you guys who probably don't uh haven't picked up on it quite yet, Thad, Shelly and I, we're all we all know each other really, really well. We have known each other for uh, quite, well, quite a little yeah. while. Um Thad and I, we've known each other since the bakery days, which coincidentally is one of the was the reason why we call it Marketing Monday because Thad led quite a few Marketing Mondays at the bakery. That's right, yeah. And Shelly, is it the same for you? You know, you've known Thad from the bakery as well. I have, yep, back in the bakery days. Awesome. Um, Thad is one of my favorite human beings on this entire planet because he he put out this post here a little while ago that described himself so perfectly which was like what was it like oh, the emotional stoic or something like that i don't remember it was it was something along the lines like he's got all this <laughs> turmoil going on inside of him but on the outside he is just cold stone yeah that might be true that's probably accurate whenever i wrote that i don't know if it was last year or last month or whatever but it's still accurate in my mind yeah <laughs> uh and so thad has since gone on to do a couple of different things and right now you are working for pin studios correct correct yep and uh, give yep. us a little bit of a rundown on that yeah we're the video division of pinnacle productions so chris hints jeff muselar the co-founders masterminds of pinnacle with like master ceremonies and event production and a handful of years ago they're like we need to have some videographers and vi a video team so they created Pin Studios, so we do, yeah, their whole mix, recording everything they do, but then also we now are growing our division to have our own kind of specialty corporate wedding films, uh, make ad spots, whatever it needs to be done with uh, videography, cinematography, we do, so. And yeah. what role would you say that you play in at Pin Studios? 
Yeah, so my title's brand manager and strategist, which is kind of like account executive. I'm the client specialist type person, and I help with um, kind of decipher what clients' needs are and what we think we can deliver and kind of be in that strategy formation with them. Man, that sounds like that's like just like right up your alley. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying, man. We're, we're having fun. Yeah, we're working with a lot of really cool clients. I've been, yeah, full-time there now for three months, so... Good for you, man. Diving in. What uh, what would you say is a memorable project that's uh, kind of like stood out to you? Uh, well, yeah, it, like it's really fun. We work with Helpline Center, to Helen's Plan. Uh, we're doing stuff with USD right now, uh, like Muth Electric. But then it's also cool when like Miller Lights PR company calls you up and is like, "Hey, we're doing this unique promo in Scotland, South Dakota for International Beer Day. We need a video and photo crew." And they're like, you, give us a quote. Yeah. And we're like, okay. I mean, sure. I guess we could. Yeah. <laughs> the so funny thing is I bet Munster, Indiana was absolutely on that list. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually in two, two different cities. That was probably. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. So <laughs> and, yeah, and Miller fun. light showed up and they were like, wow, this is not like Munster, Germany at all. Like, <laughs> F this place. This is suburbia. Hell. <laughs> Uh, sorry, we'll just go to the Red Robin, and I guess we'll throw a party there. Yeah. Sorry, people of Munster, but uh, yeah, I'm so sure we're doing good. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's see. We were briefly spoke right before um, we got on about what we were even going to really talk about, and I would really like to kind of pick your brain a little bit about um, if there's anything specifically that you're trying to tackle or unique challenges that you're coming across in with pin studios as far as like i can't imagine that you guys have really hardly any issues acquiring customers so maybe it's more of like how do you filter those customers out to make sure that it's a good fit for them and it's a good fit for you and everything like that hmm sure yeah so our current challenges is yeah kind of our different avenues on who we work with and what we work with because we'll do wedding films and we have like our lead videographers, uh, Zoss and Mario, like love those and they're passionate about them. And so absolutely a Saturday when they want to do those, we'll handle those. Uh, but then like during the week, yeah, we have corporate stuff with some of the like, clients I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also do like a lot of live streams Well, where Pinnacle is the kind of hired vendor for conducting the production live stream. But then we are then side by side with making sure we're conducting that in the best way. So it's just a little bit of like variance on the changing dynamic of what our current world is, especially like live stream stuff, because it's all being reinvented. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we, we still, like I'm biz dev person too. And we're always looking for like a more sustained, you know, client load where we, we want we want somebody that's not just coming to us once a year and we work together for three days and then we're gone. It's like, how can we be in great collaboration with you making content or making video pieces every single month? And we're going forward that way. So, yeah. So that's where my question was going to lead into is like, as biz dev in a company like that, is it just constantly finding new clients or is it, maintaining current relationships and which of those seems to have more impact like what actions do you do that have more impact and maybe it isn't something maybe it's only a year after year for some places but Mm -hmm. you know do you guys try to figure out ways that you can 
maybe like you're doing a live production, but like, hey, we can also do this for you guys, or we can also, you yep. know, brainstorm mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, so we definitely want to be on the front end of like, hey, you hired us for this one PSA, uh, but it like we just we have a like some ideation things for you that we think would be like really well served and some ROI for you, and yeah, we'll like present that in a very casual but kind of professional way. That's like, what if you also did this, and like, what if you added this to something in your repertoire of what your communication or marketing is? So. Um, yeah, but definitely I'd say like current relationships is like 75%, 50%. And then seeking new leads is probably 25%. I'm really, I'm really kind of fascinated that with um, everything going on that you guys have sustained a workload through that. Um, did you see like an initial dip or anything like that where people were like, Hey, like we're not really sure what's going on, but we're going to just hold on to everything and then we'll get with you in a couple of months. Yeah. So I joined PIN in June. So, and they hired me part time just to like start stuff out and, you know, do a testing ground and see. And uh, it was, from what I was told, pretty slow, very slow March, April, May, because yeah. it was cancellation, cancellation, waiting period, pause button, like, and they were just accompanying to say, yep. Your wedding's getting moved back. Your virtual fund or your, you know, once a year gala is being moved back. Like we're working with you whenever you want to schedule. So, but we have been busy since probably Ju- July through right Good now. Deal. Good deal. So, but yeah, because now people are like, let's do, let's commit to the live stream. Let's do our virtual event. Like we just did Washington Pavilion's annual arts night fundraiser this Saturday. And that was like immaculate, but it's just so much work to go into a, a virtual event. It's like the same amount of work where you're usually rubbing shoulders and like, yeah, building relationships in person. And now it's, you know, putting that extra emphasis in a virtual live stream event where it's fast moving, you know, people are engaged, feel involved. So, yeah. So are you guys involved in any of the bat, like the marketing of the events or does that lay on the the event, like so for instance the pavilion, the pavilion one like yep. does in studios help market that as well uh currently right now we do not so that would be either their internal team and then they like say we want a 30 second spot or something we'd come in and do that but almost like a different that'd be treated as a different like project just sure. in collaboration with but currently no um people don't currently hire us right now in the time being to head an individual like marketing strategy. So have you had events that you guys have participated in that have kind of been, I don't want to say a bust, but like that have had lower virtual attendance than say in in person attendance was in the past. And how have you guys handled that to try to drum up engagement? Hmm. I don't know. So far the ones we've done have been pretty excellent. Uh, the first like big live stream I was on, I think in J- July was uh, Dakota Resources annual annual event, their uh, Rural X, mm. and they yeah usually have like some dedicated two hundred people, like economic developers or community builder type people, and they had yeah two hundred people in the Zoom stream that it was private, you know, not like live broadcast is in our Zoom. So yeah, it was. That was well done by them. Um, but I've, yeah, I've seen a lot of people do a good job at 
still maintaining their audience that is an advocate for them and, and you know, follows them, um, but convert them to say, we're doing it virtual this year. So it's been, yeah, well-received on a lot that I've been a part of. So how do you think that'll change going forward? Like, do you think that going forward, people will want to do in-person and virtual side by side, side by side, or do you think that going forward, like next year when, you know, things are different, hopefully, that people will just drop the virtual and like, this was just how we did it that one year, but they're going to go back to normal. Or do you think they're going to keep some, incorporate some pieces? Yeah, I think, I think it depends on your size and your reach. Um, like Dakota Resources, I could see them maintaining a, like, we want to reach people in Rapid City and even outside of South Dakota. And they'll offer kind of a hybrid mm -hmm. event where people can uh, tune in along with people being there presently in person. But um, some of the smaller ones, I can see them, um, like our focus area is 100 mile radius. So we're staying within this and doing all in-person event and dropping the virtual. So but yeah, I do see like hybrid, if people are, anytime you invent, you have somebody willing to pay like $50 a ticket or $100 a ticket, and you're like that consistent attendance with that, like it's mm -hmm. well received. I see people possibly offering that in a hybrid, in-person and virtual kind of going forward because they have the opportunity where people want to be a part of it, but not drive or travel or get room and board. Right. I just, I still think the, that this pandemic has opened up the door for so much innovation for businesses. And I hope that like businesses really take pieces of it, even though it might've been a challenge to get there. Like, don't just drop all the work you did. Like there's a lot of work that you did to stay and thrive and mm -hmm. put those pieces going forward and, and reach a new audience that way. Yeah. I definitely would say like, keep like beating the drum and keep the energy going because if you're staying present with people, you're, you're winning and, you know, mm -hmm. you're staying afloat where some are just, you know, Oh, we're just going to wait it out. We're going to wait it out. And then if you're not present with people, just like a, re a relationship, if you haven't talked to someone in six or four or three months, you know, it's, you're not going to start, I don't know, maybe a bad analogy, but no, that's a great analogy. Well, you want to stay front of mind with your customer. Yeah. Like imagine, yeah. imagine dating someone for like two months or something like that. And then all of a sudden you just ghost them for three and then you yeah. come back and you're like, Hey, do you want to like go out again or something? Like it just yeah. doesn't really work out. And, like then, that. and then it's fine. Cause, but then you're like, Oh, let's catch up. Tell me everything's happened. Like, I feel like I'm out of loop with you, you know, like yep. rather than like, I'm ready to buy. I've, I know all about your product and like, I see that you guys have backing and some, you know, there's that trust built up. So same thing with virtual events, even if you're a nonprofit, like you don't want to just come asking for people's money and fundraising for the mission. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta take a, a girl out, yeah. kind of warm her up a little bit, you know? So yeah, stay present for sure. That's a, a good lesson we're learning. So uh, I apologize about that. I had a contractor stop by um, right in the middle of this, we're remodeling the bathroom, but, uh, Something I was I was just thinking about is, and I w wanted to ask you, and I apologize if this is repeating a question, but the you have put on um, some people, well, a lot of people in Sioux Falls know that you helped on, and organized and orchestrated TEDx in Sioux Falls. And what specific challenges um, do you have with live events, like um, um, internet live events, 
versus like actual real life live events, Mm -hmm. kind of taking COVID out of it because um, with TEDx, I know you did a lot of work to try and make sure that people were safe and sanitization and everything like that. So if you were to take that component out of it, which to me would be like, it it is a very big component of what we're dealing with right now. Um, But what specific challenges do you do do you have when you're going through something that's live versus like actual in live um, events? Yeah. So yeah, I'm the license holder for TEDx. Uh, have had that for two years and started small, which TED has you do with a hundred person ticket sale event in 2019. And then I went through to unlock that license. So now I have unlimited attendance and we are going to grow into be, be at the Orpheum in 2020 and that event was supposed to be in April. And of course, pause, wait, like we're gonna review this thing out. Um, but our solution to make an event happen in 2020 was to move to the Summer of Old Hall, the pavilion, which is an 1800 seat capacity rather than 650. So yeah, we had the same ticket. We might even had maybe 550. It was definitely under 600 people that attended. What could be spaced out in that huge theater? So. Uh, yeah, it was strenuous. It was exhausting. Uh, so many things like I was just concerned and worried about and really like anxiety filled, but it was, it was a good event. And yeah, so far feedback has been like 95% would attend again and, and really liked it. So, um, but as far as like conducting in-person events to virtual, yeah, I love in-person events and a like the gathering places where you can see faces, you can understand, you can capture a person's message, but virtual is, you know, still up there, but right underneath it. Um, but yeah, you have to make work what you can make work. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, you from the, I mean, we know each other, but you know, like we don't like know each other super, super well, but it always seems like you're the type of person and people in general really thrive off of, in-person events and having community and having those people around you and everything like that. And there's just such, there's this kind of coldness that happens with live events. And what's been interesting is seeing how people kind of like bridge that gap, you know, and try to bring as much of that warmth in there as possible. But uh, until we get like VR or AR, I don't know if that would um, ever, I don't know if you can possibly augment that in a way currently. Probably, It'd be yeah. very tough, but that would be super cool. Imagine attending a TEDx event, and just putting on your old Oracle goggles, and then you just yeah. look to your right, and I've got Chelsea and Thad right there, and <laughs> off to my left, I got Shelly. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. anything better. And I'm sitting in my PJs at the house. Yeah. yeah, as long as we can't see waist up, I think I'm probably okay. With that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a cool thing about TEDx too, because you can go to the events and like really get the full experience and like the back end, the front end, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of it, but then you can go home and then the, the talks go live on YouTube and the TED platform and you can like relive them. Yep. Cause yeah, we, we do nine talks uh, so far has been our number at each of our one night event. So that's a lot of like knowledge or, you know, storytelling to consume. So you don't like retain all that. So you can go watch the talks now that are now live on TEDx's YouTube platform. Yeah, so make sure to go to TEDx on YouTube. Check out Sioux Falls' TEDx event. Yeah. Throw really a good. like in there. Yeah, they were so good. Like, really rewarding messages this year. Good. Awesome. Good deal. 
Um, I think what I'd like to now ask, and this is something else that we talked about before getting onto the podcast, was talking about some just some kind of current events type of thing. Um, and the reason why I'm interested in talking to you about it is because every conversation that you and I have ever had, it's a pretty level-headed conversation. We try to both see each other's viewpoints, even though you and I don't really disagree all that often, or if we have, it hasn't ever really turned into anything big. Um, But I'm really curious on getting your take on TikTok possibly getting banned in the U.S. And what that, in your mind, what precedent does that set for social medias that don't stay in line with what the U.S. government sees as being potentially harmful or you know anything yeah. just i'm not trying to leave this one way or another i just want i just want your thoughts on it yeah i really do not know it's complex uh i'm not a national security advisor or ever will be uh like i remember the cambridge analytica stuff yeah but it's i don't see it as like data collection as like a a faux pas like illegal activity because I think it's not part of everything. Like if we now said like data collections wrong and unethical for our society and how we operate, we'd literally have to restart Google, Facebook, every search engine thing you've ever had, like every app you've ever had. Like, like it's almost like we've already passed that point. Um, It's been determined 10, 15 years ago. So the data collection that we click approve on terms and condition conditions like we allow. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm also on the end of like, people are nervous and put like their thumb or a thing over the webcam. Yep. And I'm like, if someone wants to see me naked for the internet, like go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know how to stop somebody if they want to do that. Like have at it. If you want to invade my privacy, like, I'm an open book type of thing. So yeah. uh, it's just weird when I see people like trying to hide, like in there might be more private than I am, but like, Oh, I can't let someone get into my uh, documents and things like that. And I'm like, okay. I but, got nothing to hide in here. So yeah, I, I, I probably do. Maybe I should hide more. But <laughs> no. So the TikTok thing, I don't know. I, I feel like, it, it may be politically fueled. It may be not. It may be a security risk. It may be not. I, I currently am in the middle ground trying to understand it all too. But I have the app. I love TikTok. Uh, it, I think it's almost dangerous because I go on it and I'll be on it for like five minutes and then I'll look in the clock. It's actually been an hour. Yep. Like, like, like seriously, like I thought I watched 10 videos and now I've scrolled, you know, flipped through 100 because they're like, they're so good. They're, they're rewarding and like, you know, and like organic and raw to watch. So they're real life videos, which we don't get a whole lot. We get a lot of like pre-orchestrated and highly cut and, you know, filmed up and make sure it's all the correct speaking points that whoever made it wants to see. And TikTok's a lot of just like raw, I made this in three minutes type of videos and they came out good, but. Uh, I am going to, I'm looking something up right now because um, I wanted to ask you um, about that TikTok style, um, that, 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 um, so it was interesting. So Casey Neistat started uh, uploading daily vlogs here just very recently. Like last week he started doing daily uploads again. He hasn't been doing it for like six months. Yeah. Now, I I really try not to put like 
people on a pedestal or anything like that. But Casey's a smart freaking dude when it comes mm-hmm. to these kinds of things, right? He doesn't do anything by mistake. And what's been interesting is that these vlogs that he's doing are only in and around five minutes long, something like that. Now you can say that he's just getting into the swing of things again. And um, his when he decided to start vlogging is because he's like on vacation or something like that with his family. So there's not much to like actually do. However, I'm actually wondering if it's not because he is testing the theory that humans now want shorter content that we just yeah. everything compressed down. We want a 15 minute story and a five into a five minute story. Personally, I don't, I don't really care for that. I like that 15, 20 minute long video where you really get some context in things and everything like that, but it, it is what it is. That's that's mm-hmm. the way things are going. Right. Um, but I was watching a old video of his now where it was talking about um, it was a Q and a session. He used to do these um, a little while yeah. ago where he had like a Tuesday question and answer session. And one of the questions was basically a guy calling him out and saying, you're a filmmaker. Stop doing these stupid vlogs every single day. And Casey's answer to that was what this vlogging is an evolution of the creativity, right? And I'm wondering if TikTok is kind of this next evolution. People hated YouTube when it first came out and said that it was junk filmmaking. Like anybody who's a creative on there, you're not really a creative, yada, yada, yada. People are saying the same thing about TikTok now. Yeah. There's this, since I got on TikTok, I actually, there's this video editing technique. I'd have to look it up where you do Peter McKinnon um, has shown these a couple of times where there's these ultra fast edits where it's just like, boom, ch- ah, ch- ah, like making coffee or whatever. Like yep. just have these ultra short clips. Yeah. Everybody would know what I'm Casey's talking about. King of those. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering like trying to compress a story from 15 minutes down to one minute or five minutes down to one minute. If that style of video editing will actually reign supreme because you're doing these super ultra fast cuts but you're telling so much story in that in that such a short period of time. Um, I'll I'll see if I can find the name. But what's yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah. So Casey Nice, lot to unpack there. But Casey Neistat, just a super likable dude, has that mix of like creativity and thought leadership by going on at the same time, which is why I think he has become so followed and so revered as like someone to, like an expert in the space. Um, but yeah, he'll do those like start a video and it's just like, you're just like captivated. Like, what's he doing? Like he's walking in a forest. Now he's over here. Now he's over here. And then he sits down and he's like, I'm telling you about this one story. And then like goes yep. to it. And it's like, Oh, like you're hooked. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't know if this thing's 45 minutes or five or 10, but I'm on it. So he's, he's figured that out really well on how the human brain like engages and commits to a video like seven first seven to 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. He's known all about, uh, the other thing. Yeah. People always judge something first based on like, like you said, YouTube people were critics at first, uh, TikTok critics. That's just like the law of diffusion. Yeah. When bottled water came out, people were like bottled water. We drink out of the tap. Like that's not what we do. Like I'm not going to pay a dollar for bottled water. And now, Law diffusion is now fully engulfed, and we drink a dollar fifty or two dollar bottles of water, like yep. or, or filtered water. Yeah. Like, get this is a little off topic, but 
I still remember like the first time I ever heard of bottled water. Like I remember I was working yeah. at a grocery store and I was 16. I was like, what the hell is this? There's bottled water on the yeah. counter. Like, I think I was maybe probably, so that must've been like 95, 96, probably somewhere yeah. in there. And I was like, who the heck would ever pay <laughs> yeah. a bottle? Of, there's a water fountain everywhere yeah. you go. Why would you? Yeah. And now I'm like, I, I actually, I, 